Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 258, covering The Shoot and The Swarm with Amanda Smith. Hi, friends. Amanda's here, and we're doing a thing. By popular audience demand. Everyone did demand it. Certainly one or two people have written in and, and championed you. Keep writing those letters. And there was the other one who wrote in and said, Hi, Dear Amanda, how is your husband so awesome? <laughs> that was weird. That was weird. <laughs> also, Matt's here. Hello. I was here the whole time. He was. was he hi- got here 35 minutes ago. I was hiding behind a log. Why a log? You have this log. I hide behind it. I don't know why you have it. I don't know why you buy logs. You're at your house. I don't think that's true. I, I Did do. Did we go to Matt's house and drop off some logs? You dropped I mean, off so many logs. I mean, I may have pooped, but I would just say I pooped. I wouldn't say dropped off some <laughs> logs. Dropped off some logs at the pool. <laughs> <laughs> Crushed some children alive. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what I'm going to start calling it. Yeah, probably. See, once I, once I introduce the dead kid angle, then mm-hmm. you're, you're on board. You guys stay here. I'm going to go crush some children. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to very quickly mention uh, we we are still doing a fundraiser. I'd like to thank all of you who've contributed so far. Yes, thank you. Uh, this stuff costs money, unfortunately, equipment and transportation and, and paying the artists who do our promotional stuff. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of costs involved with this, and it makes it a lot easier if, if you chip in money. We hate asking, but it, it's a thing that costs money. So please, if you could, the link is on uh, postatomichorror.com. It's also on algar.com. It's all over the place. It's on our Tumblr just drop us a couple of docs. Doesn't have to be a lot. Uh, if you prefer the the Patreon or Patreon, still don't know how to say that. Patreon. Yeah, Patreon. Uh, if you prefer that model, there's also the option to donate a small amount every month. Uh, and, you know, go ahead and withdraw that if we miss an episode. But we're never gonna. No. Because we never have. So there's that. Yeah, we're also, really, we're really good at putting that- episodes out. Yes. <laughs> Also, it means that the groceries money gets to go towards groceries and not towards the show. Yeah, exactly. Oh, hey, we don't get to eat like anything but this gruel this week because, uh, oh, we got a convention coming up. That's, For only that's a dollar a day, you can ensure that this Amanda gets to eat. Believe me, it's safer for everyone if I'm well fed. Yes. Amanda needs eggs. Egg fueled. So, egg design. So many eggs. Yes. Uh, also, real quick before we get into... I, I'm stalling because the shoot was really just a garbage episode. Oh, I think we can all it was agree a on that. Garbage shoot. <laughs> Into the garbage shoot, flyboy. <laughs> she was a bad egg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we we do we are doing our next uh, live show. This has been confirmed. Yay! Uh, the weekend of em- the Emerald City Comic Con here in Seattle. Yes. Uh, the Friday of that weekend, April eighth, at five thirty at the Pocket Theater in Greenwood. The, the Greenwood uh, neighborhood of Seattle. Uh, we will be there. We'll be doing whatever the two episodes are for that week. I don't have the list handy, mm-hmm. but we'll we'll be doing the thing. Uh, a bunch of our friends uh, traditionally come in from out of town for Emerald City, and, and this year is no exception. They'll they'll be here for that, and uh, you are welcome as well if you can make it to Seattle or if you're, you'll be here that weekend. Yeah. Uh, come also, see us yell at Voyager. Uh, we'll almost certainly be yelling at Voyager. Also, that Saturday mm-hmm. uh, at the convention, we have been given an official panel for uh, Sarcastic Voyage, a yes. more uh, sketch comedy. Last year, we uh, overfilled like a uh, 250 capacity room. Um, the the room held 250 people, and they had to turn people away at the door. We fu- we filled it. It was and amazing. So was they cool. they saw that and they said, you know what? We'll give you a 400 capacity room this time. So ooh, okay, Let's fill that and. We're- Hopefully gonna. Hopefully we're gonna, but if you're going to the Emerald City Comic Con and you want to see us do some live comedy, go check that out. It's called Sarcastic Voyage Sketch Comedy for Nerds. Yep. Be there. It's almost like they heard us bragging about filling the 250 room. Like, Oh, Oh, you guys think you're impressive, do you? Well. So you like people watching, huh? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We do. It's it's a nice sort of incremental build that we've got Mm -hmm. going here. So I'm, I'm pretty happy about that. 
Uh, anyway, I suppose we should get down to business. We've and... stalled long enough, I think. I guess Have so. We? Well, I, I usually allow myself about five minutes for opening, like, pretending to like each other stuff. Probably stall a little more. How are you guys so doing? We got another 20 seconds. Yeah, Matt, what do you, uh, <laughs> what's in the news this week? Uh, Russell, Russell. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. All right. So, Amanda, why don't you tell us about the shoot? You mean the garbage shoot? Yes, I do mean that. <laughs> oh, good. An Orwellian prison full of bumpy-headed extras dressed in rags. What? We've never heard of these people or planet before and we'll never hear of them again? I think I can still hear the echo of Al's teeth grinding from the first time we watched this episode. Even better, it's focusing on everyone's favorite best friends, Harold and Paris, both looking so slightly disheveled that Chuck is probably going to spend an entire afternoon yelling at them for uniform violations. Show a little pride, he'll say. I expect regulation mullet cuts and tastefully ripped shirts from all my officers. <laughs> so it turns out the Akakakatarians put implants in all the prisoners' heads to keep them from making a utopia of this dystopia. Because if there's one thing I know about people, it's that if you put a bunch of hungry, scared, violent individuals into a box, they'll definitely need that extra little push to keep them motivated into bashing each other's brains in. <laughs> also, they probably like to fix up an old truck. <laughs> Harold and Paris try to smug future their man their way out of the effects of the implant, called the clamp, and they... they um. They and then try to sneak up the titular shoot to freedom. Other rowdy prisoners stop them and stab Paris, while Harold struggles futilely in his captor's arms like so much 1950s leading lady. <laughs> Someone has been spending too much time sucking up to Captain Mom and not enough time in Tuvok's battle drills. Harold breaks free and flails his arms wildly, clearly confusing the other prisoners. He's then approached by Zio, the tallest and most line-having of the aliens, who agrees to help them. Back on Voyager, where we finally have a break from this unrelenting Harold and Paris show, the rest of the crew wring their hands about what to do, and despite the requests of the Delaney sisters, they don't seem keen to abandon Harold and Paris. <laughs> Seriously, they mention the Delaney sisters in another scene in this uh -huh. one, like, oh, we're gonna get back home to the Delaney sisters, ew. I don't think the Delaney sisters know who Harold and Paris are. Probably not. Nope. Ugh. So they end up, um, the crew of Voyager end up capturing some terrorists who know where the prison is. And then they, instead of using that information, they try to trade um, the terrorists for old H&P. <laughs> but the Actarians are having none of it. Following the Cardassian policy of if they've been con convicted, they must be the bad guys. The state doesn't make mistakes. Back on the prison, Harold tr uh, tries to make it up this chute with his new pal Zeo only to find that it's not Norwellian jail, but Norwellian space station, and there's no way out. Paris is dying, and despite the implant making him even more of a jerk than usual, Harold refuses to kill him. Things seem pretty bleak for the old Duke boys, but don't worry, Janeway shows up to rescue them, making all their efforts pointless, and they may as well have sat quietly and been no trouble at all, and waited for her to come pick them up from soccer practice. <laughs> Yeah, that's about right. Let's spin our wheels for half an hour, and then Captain Mom comes and picks yep. us up. Pretty I'm here to it. save the day, and I brought my giant phaser rifle with me. No, no, no. Here I come to save the day. <laughs> <laughs> she does look pretty badass when she comes down there with the phaser rifle. Yeah, that's I was, true. I was a big fan of that shot. Yeah, it was pretty good. But it did, <laughs> it, like, it's what a was little, the point? Yeah. It, it's a little put off by the fact that she basically comes down a slide, but... Uh, <laughs> Wee! Up oh, time, time to shoot. All right, back up to the top, and then we'll go down again. This time, I'm going to bring my inner tube. <laughs> when I get to the bottom, I go up to the top of the slide. Ah, <laughs> mom's mom's pretty cool, huh? No, no, <laughs> no, you're not cool, mom. Uh, yeah, this was this was a garbage. It was, it was so. First off, I mean, I have you guys seen this play before? Because I've seen this play before. I've oh, seen yeah. this episode of Star Trek before. When wasn't that essentially your bad thing? Yeah, that was essentially my bad thing. We've seen this episode on Voyager before, mm -hmm. like a couple of times, and we've also seen this episode on other Star Trek before. Oh yeah, and it just feels like a shitty version of a Samuel Beckett futuristic play. Yep. Like it just feels like one of his. Like if someone was, if like a fourteen-year-old. I, had you, just seen this for the first time. You mentioned that that um, 
I forget where I was going with that. Um, it, I it, mentioned a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. You, 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 you compared them to the Cardassians. And that put me in mind of, uh, you know, the episode with O'Brien in prison. Yeah. And the that just draws. And yeah. how much better it was. Yeah. That just draws comparisons. And oh, yeah, they have done this pretty well. Mm-hmm. So why do it again? And then there was, I think this was another uh, O'Brien episode where he gets put into the mind jail. Yeah, yeah. that was a different alien race. My yeah. initial memory of that was that it was Cardassians, but it's actually someone in the Gamma Quadrant. Yeah, cause... but again, uh, much better episode. Yeah. But we've, we've seen this. We've seen it and seen it and seen it. Okay, so first of all, if you have an actor that can pull off being tough and being tortured, like, that say, works better. Like, say, Paul Meany. Yeah. Yeah. That, that certainly works better, whereas a... I don't think garrett wang or wong i still don't know how to say that can, <laughs> as a, can do that as, as opposed to sad hairless garrett wong <laughs> <laughs> so you've decided harry is the entirely the wrong name for him yes they should and call him should call him skinny no smooth smoothie smoothie kim <laughs> smooth old kim which also describes his clarinet playing. It's true. Hey, it's hey. old Smoothie Kim here with some laying down some jazz licks. <laughs> it's uh, nine o'clock and I'm Harold K- Smoothled Kim, the Raging Storm. I um, <laughs> yeah. I wondered to myself out loud, who would like this kind of episode? And uh, Nathan Lajeunesse, our our current house guest, kicked the door down, raised his hand em- emphatically, and said, "Me, me, me!" He drove all the way to from Canada. Yeah, like, like you were saying, who could possibly like this episode? And then we and heard Lenny like and squeaking like, tires. Yeah, hello. <laughs> Nate and then ran like, them thump, over thump, 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 on the way thump, thump. on the way to kick your door down. Right, <laughs> and and the reason is I don't think, and he's not here to defend himself, so I don't want to misrepresent him. The reason is because uh, Harold is cute and uh, like holds hands with Paris. He liked this episode because he said it reminded him of the fanfic he liked when right. he was fourteen. Mm. So, like you know, you take the one character that you want to see having sex with another dude, and you put them on a planet, and like you trap them there together, and you make them strive and fight together until they realize they're in love. Oh, like and that one where uh, Quark and Odo fucked on that planet. Just like that. Mm. That's fine, except my my argument and uh, Nate's Nate's response was basically, I'll take anything I can get, but you're right, is Paris, really? There's literally everyone else on that ship except maybe Neelix would be a better choice. Yeah, like, can you imagine, like, Harold and Tuvok? I mean, at least, like, I'm not into Harold, but at least I can kind of see that. Yeah. Yeah. Or even Harold and Chakotay, because, like, Chakotay's character is kind of boring, but at least... uh, Robert Beltran's a hottie. Mm. Well, and then you got the, the you know, the, the butch guy and the twink, at least, yeah. if nothing else. And he's like a survivalist, so if you did like a, a mountain climbing story or something. Yeah. <laughs> but instead, we got this, which is like, this is the most Mullity Rebel episode we've seen in a long time. Yeah, well, I, I'd almost thought we'd retired the Mullity Rebel. Oh, God, no. In but, fact, uh, I, I, I don't know any specific examples, but I'd be willing to bet that there's a lot more coming up. Yeah, well, they're back awesome. with a vengeance. Yeah. Also, like, <clears throat> the idea is that what they're wearing is what they were thrown into the pit with and whatever else they can sort of ground together. But it looked like rag uniforms. Like, they were all wearing the rag same uniforms. Outfit. Yeah, they're rag uniforms. <laughs> we just call them rags on <laughs> my <laughs> planet. No. <laughs> the thing is, if they were just rags, they'd all look different from each other. No, they, but all, it's they a, don't. It's a very standard rag look. So yeah. well, maybe it's like the prison uniform, but they've all gotten tattered because... No, but we've seen people come down the chute and they are wearing the clothes that they were arrested in. No, but not it, like a prison uniform. But both Harold both Harold and uh uh Thomas Thomas come down the chute in like standard rags too. Like, you know, logically they should be in their uniforms, but instead like the prison just like decided, "Nah, dress them up in some in some already ragged rags." <laughs> yeah, Which I is don't the other thing. Harry comes out of the sh- Harry comes down the chute already ragged. Yep. I mean, I'm glad they did some visual stuff because his acting certainly didn't sell it. Sure did. Actually, the directing wasn't terrible. No, the, I was. That's kind of what I was building to yeah, here. Yeah. Was all the all the trappings of where they were, the filthy, poorly lit, dirt floor, ragged people. Like that's all the same standard stuff. But they did put some good visual spins. Matt pointed out some good. Uh, yeah, one. Uh, my good thing is uh, there's a really nice shot of Harry in mid freakout mode. Where the camera basically tracks him as he walks around this sort of big pillar thing that Manifesto guy is sitting on. 
Right, a Michael Pillar. It's a yes, exactly. <laughs> it's a nice. Uh, it's a it's a really nice tracking shot, and you can see people freaking out and yelling at each other in the background. No, and the thing is, visually, this is the same kind of episode we've seen. We like rebel bases usually look like this. We've seen a couple of alien prisons there's a, also there's that a look like this. A bunch of rebar and some dirt floors and, and an old wooden door cans. for some reason. Yeah. And those old barrels. Yeah. And but, the uh, the telepod from the fly is there. Sure, why not? Because they bought it at a yard sale. Yes. But um, the, it it. It feels visually like the same set we've seen a thousand times that they just like keep up and change slightly to make a new different thing. But mm-hmm. but whoever shot this found some interesting angles, found some good uh, lighting and, and, you know, some good camera movements and made it look a little different. They so, did. Yeah, they also made it look big. Yeah. Yeah. They, it didn't look like it didn't look like the size of the room, like a bedroom. Yeah. Which normally no, like it does. The cave set always looks like that where they're supposed to be yeah. crawling around in miles of caverns and they never it's, do. They're always crawling around one one foot of cavern like it, it looks like an old video game where you walk to the edge of the screen and then the screen changes and it's the same again yeah exactly or the doctor's office planet yeah. <laughs> yep or like a hanna-barbera cartoon yeah. yeah no they um they did a good job of i assume not having a whole lot of room and made it look big yeah no there were there were times where they had to go all the way to where the shoot is from where their hovel was yeah and it, it felt like it was quite a walk um there's actually my good thing was another uh, good camera shot. There's a bit where like okay, so a shoot drops them in. Like mm-hmm. that's the they they Whee! felt that this was when you go when you go and title your episode. Okay, what's the most important part of this episode? How about the metal tube that drops them into the prison? That's <laughs> thematically the most important thing in this. O- okay. And the thing is, in this play, which I have seen and seen and seen, mm-hmm. that's the thing. Like every all of the all of the like eighteen year old actors are wandering back and forth saying the shoot the shoot is our god because it provides right like that because that's how their food comes down yeah and that's, their water yeah. the new people and the they shoot. have sort of a, a reverence for the shoot but that's right. actually not in this episode no and if anything they talk more about the clamp which they is the, the, the chip in their head like they might have called it that 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 was more relevant i thought mm. But anyway, there's I, Harold says the only way we're going to get out is obviously the way we came in. That's the only way that we might get out of here. So he we'll tries dig to our way out. <laughs> well, I I get like he's he's been training in engineering. He's kind of a junior engineer, I suppose. I get that that that's part of his character that he's trying to problem solve the way Jordy would, the way Bellana would, the way O'Brien would. You know, like building a machine that can help you escape. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I like that actually. Uh, and he and he manages to get the chute open and crawl up it, and it's like, oh, maybe he'll escape. And there's this great sort of moment of futility where he gets to the end and he hits a window, and it's a window on the outside of the spaceship that they're in. Yeah. And there's a really good sort of matching model or CG or whatever shot where you see the exterior where it's just him sort of pressed up against the glass against space, mm-hmm. and it's like, ah, oh, fuck. I like there's that a- reveal a lot too. Like it's a real nice fuck you. That felt like a DS9 yeah. like struggle for the whole episode for nothing futility yeah. thing. There's um a movie that's actually pretty good called The Cube. Oh yeah, that's um, a good I, movie. I know it, yeah. Yeah. It's a sci-fi movie about like it's a room full it's basically like a trapped room mystery. You go into the new you go into the new room and you have to find your way out. Right, right, right. And then they think, okay, we're gonna we're gonna find our way out. Mm-hmm. And then spoilers for this movie from like twenty years ago, which you should um, see. It, it, yeah, it it turns out that it's in space. You're you're, you're yeah. stuck there. Um, it was really good. Yeah. Um. It, but the thing is, if this had been an episode sort of about futility, that would be one thing. But it's not. It's just. Well, that's the thing is we we complained about the futility of them struggling to escape and failing and then Janeway rescuing them. Yeah. But that's poorly written futility yeah. because we're investing in characters that fail. Whereas there is good futility, and it's the like that shot I was talking about yeah. was kind of in the right direction. But it doesn't matter. Like they, there is no need for them to strive. No, absolutely not. The whole nope. time, and we're not really exploring their characters because this this clamp thing in their brain is making them act out of character. Mm-hmm. Talking about the clamps. The yeah, clamp, I was waiting clamp, for that. Clamp. But it, it's like. It's not like we're exploring what makes these guys tick because they have a a thing in their head that makes them act not like themselves. Yeah. So we don't learn anything about them. The, I was I was reading so like um on Memory Alpha, I guess it was the writer of the episode um is told like they want to do like a prison episode and mm-hmm. he's like, "Well, I can't really cuz 
one of the things about a prison episode is you need time, and these guys are going to be rescued in a couple of days because that's how right. the show works. Exactly. So his solution was, okay, well, we'll put a chip in their brain that makes them crazy. And I that's I get what he's doing because he's right. Like the the most the best prison movies you can think of are involve the hopelessness of years stretching out in front of you. Yeah. Like and behind Shawshank you. or like yeah. the Escape from Alcatraz or like there's a couple of prison movies I really like like those and it's all about just you're you're going to be like this forever but yeah, yeah. you know these guys are going to be out in an hour so what's the difference mm-hmm. and that's why that O'Brien episode we talked about worked because in his brain he thought he was in there for years yeah and so they got around the problem by sci-fi simulating it but in this case they sci-fied into some garbage and it wasn't like it made them think they were there for a long time or something. It was, no, no they just made them jerks. It gave, well, I think the idea is it gave them the demeanor of people who had been there for yeah. years and were already snapping, even though they just got there, which I don't understand how that helps the state at all. It's a, it's an experiment. Uh-huh. For things. Mm-hmm. But really, how does that, like, don't you want something to make them more docile? No. no you want, what, what you really want is for your oppressed people to be to be violent to be violent yeah. yeah and then you put them all together so that the strongest one is the only one that ends up living and then that guy will be great then yeah. he'll escape and uh-huh. um then you'll have into darkness basically mm-hmm. yeah pretty much let's not have into darkness how about not not again thank you um amanda what was your good thing um this finding a good thing in this episode was a bit of a struggle because uh, it was not great. Nope. Um, there's a character called Zio, who's sort of our guest star of the week, and he... Um, great name, by the way. Yeah. Lonnie Zio. James Zio. Yeah. <laughs> he uh, is sort of zen-like, figured out a way to not be as affected by the clamp, and he's sort of like writing like a madman, his manifesto. And the character wasn't great, but the I really like the actor. I mm-hmm. thought he was a lot bigger than the role. Like, he, he brought something to it that... Um, I thought was pretty good. Like he he did a good job with nothing. I, I, I could see that. I kind of like the idea that he's like his whole deal is that I've I've fought I the I've found a way to make the clamp not make me go crazy, and he's just going a different kind of crazy. Yeah, but a non-violent kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he's still they've still broken him. Yeah, he's not non-violent either though. We see him cut a guy's throat at the, the beginning. But it's deliberate. Like mm. he's he's doing it because he wants to, not because the clamp is making him. He cuts right. a guy's throat for a bit of fudge. <laughs> <laughs> what is he, Counselor Troy? Right. <laughs> um, Matt, what was your bad thing? Um, what was mine? Which one did I pick? <laughs> I well, there's so much to choose. I pretty much just like, you chose everything. I did just this entire episode just bugged the crap out of me. It doesn't it doesn't help that I watched it on the way home because and I had to because my bus got stuck in traffic for two hours. Oh fun! I wouldn't have had time to watch it at home. Yeah. So by the end, everything about this episode annoyed me. I actually watched this in a bad mood too, but uh, <laughs> I think I started in a good mood. But I mean, like we had. Um, you know, Molly Rebels, who we've already talked about. The yeah. uh, the Aqua Teen um, boss. <laughs> that guy. is what they actually <laughs> sounded like, too. Like the, the Aqua Teens. Yeah, the Aqua Teen um, boss that Janeway keeps talking to really set my teeth on edge. Mm. Just the, every time she calls, hey, we got the thing. I don't care about the thing. I'm going to keep your guys in jail. Shut up. Uh, what I liked, actually, he arrests or he tries to arrest Voyager. Yep. <laughs> you, we're arrested. We've gotten pulled over and now we're going to jail. They I shouldn't have uh, run all of those intergalactic stoplights. No, nope. I guess that's probably yep. true, but they really want to get home and, and they're they're behind. They're running late because they keep stopping for things. So, you know, going to be late for work. Yeah. Listen, my ship is probably going to give birth soon because <laughs> we're on Voyager. Yep. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but I, I, no, I, I like just the context of being arrested. Like I get it, but we usually put their confrontations in a military context and making it sound like, oh no, the cops are here. No, it's just made it funny to me. Jesus, the cops are here. We're going to, we're going to arrest your crew and impound your ship. The guy actually said said. that at one point. Yeah. And that just makes it like, I get it. It makes sense. And it's not unbelievable. It's just usually on Star Trek, it's military versus military, not Police versus you well, this know, whatever. Is a civilian government. I just got like, this great evil civilian government. I just got this but... great image of the of the Vo- of Voyager being all sad in an impound lot somewhere. <laughs> 
sort of like the Planet Express ship with the sad lips. Yes, exactly. And it's got it's got like a like a giant version of the club locked around it. <laughs> if the ship were sentient, it would just be like, God damn it! Two weeks ago, I had Kazon crawling around in me, and now this. Ugh. And next week, I'm going to get infested by tiny ships. Probably. Oh, yeah. Okay. This this week. Yeah. Mm. I thought the, you were speculating. Ne- well, next episode. Like. Right. 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 Um, Janeway was also really. Oh. Hold off on that, because okay. my, my bad thing for the next episode is sort of a cumulative mm. how she's out of character in both of these episodes. So, mm. yeah, I don't, like, you're not wrong. Just hold the thought for a minute. All right. Uh, anyway, Matt, did you have? <laughs> I also want to mention there's an actor on this episode whose first name is Beans. Oh, um, yeah. Beans is not a name. Both <laughs> of Beans' parents should be in prison. <laughs> in the chute? They should perhaps go down the chute. Ugh. And down the short rope. Yes. No, they're not Irish. Let's not go too far. <laughs> down the short rope and up the long ladder. Yes. Hard to talk to talk. Another thing that I really liked about this is um, when they go to save Harold uh, in Paris, they take Neelix's old, like, shit. Oh, yeah, they, were, they suddenly <laughs> realize that Neelix's ship has been in the hangar base since the pilot. Mm-hmm. Which, honestly, that makes sense. Like, I mean, they never Yeah, got but we're in it. season, f- what, four? Three. 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 Okay. Yeah, we're, we're in four yet. Like, don't get ahead of yourself. Yeah. I, I want to get ahead of myself so bad. <laughs> I know. But um, Janeway's like, well, Mr. Tuvok, uh, we still have Neelix's ship in the in the shuttle bay, don't we? And you could just see his disgust. <laughs> yes, we sure do. <laughs> like Ugh. Al was pointing out, he pictures like every time they go down to do inventory of what's there. Oh, no, no. I figure they have like a spring cleaning, yeah. like sort of sweep of like, okay, let's throw away all the garbage and all the stuff we accumulate just from living in the same place all the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, this thing's still here. Oh, we have to keep it? Great. It's just leaking say- oil all over the cargo bay. Yeah. He just he puts hair. it on the list of things that should be gotten rid of. And Janeway says, no, we're going to keep it. Otherwise, Mr. Neelix will complain. And Tuvok's like, oh. So every, every time it's so oily. He won't even he won't even notice we threw it out. Yes, I nope. will. Oh no, my ship. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my organs, technically. <laughs> it's my uh, biggest organ. <laughs> my <His> skin. <laughs> my bad thing is just the clumsy social commentary of this Ugh. is so like Oh, prisons are bad, and we gotta treat people better. Shut up. Did you know that it's wrong to torture people by putting them uh, in a prison in space? Also, everyone who says Nobody Star Trek that. is everyone who says Star Trek is good at this kind of thing, go fuck yourself, because no, it's not. Also, I have a vested interest in stories about prison and Yeah, you studied criminology for yeah, a while. Like I'm like I should be the target audience. I love Star Trek. I love space stuff. And I am interested in social commentary about prison systems. Please tell me more. Nope. (laughs) The list of things Amanda likes. Tell you the same thing you've seen 50 goddamn times. No, this is... uh, Go ahead. There's a lot of interesting things to say about the effects of prison on the human mind. Sure. And how you can... uh, Like, what... You don't want to kill people, but you don't want to just warehouse them. But there's some people you can't reform. Like what? Like there's a lot to talk about there, and it's a nice sort of gray area, gray alien, um, <laughs> like issue to talk about. And DS9 did some of that really well. They did amazingly well. And they even did some of that stuff on Voyager well, like with the whole suitor story. Oh, yeah, I yeah, guess that's true. Like, yeah. What yeah. Do you how do, do we re- we want to rehabilitate him, but we can't kill him? But and he's someone who can't like who has a brain that you can't really rehabilitate. You can't kill him. You can't just drop him off on a planet. No, you're, you're right. But my whole thing, just to a, to a larger point, this has come up as they have now announced the new showrunner for the new series, who's Brian Fuller, which is I, I I'm he- like cautiously optimistic. Tentative, like, this is tentative, tentative, this is tentatively a good a good thing. He is a very talented guy and a very good storyteller. Also, I don't... there might be a gay person in Star Trek. There could be, and then you'd finally shut up about that. Oh, that seems unlikely. That does seem unlikely. <laughs> but my my point is that with all this talk, people are like, finally, we can get back to what Star Trek is good at, the philosophy of Star Trek. And they say this about the Abrams movies, too. Just like, why can't we be do more social commentary? And I'm so sick of this argument because Star Trek sucks at this. They suck. They're terrible at it. Stop saying that. Ah, just bugs me is all. <laughs> just not their, all. not their best thing. They're, they're, sometimes they're good at it. More often than not, they're bad at it. it and it's not, it's everyone going on about what Star hands. Trek is about, like we've watched most of it at this point. We know what it's about. And it's not about that. 
every once in a while they do a good they do a good episode like um when Cisco goes crazy and goes back in time. Yes, and- yes, that yeah. is an outlier, though. Yeah. That is yeah. a, that is the anomaly. There is more often than not them trying something like this. And there's a just- couple of original series episodes that dealt with it. Yeah, there's okay. a lot of bad ones yeah. though, like the the this black on the left side, white on the right side. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you mean the Riddler running? Yeah, that's that episode. Or like run. the 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 what was it? The communists and the Yang. That, the, the Omega yeah. Yeah. episode. That yeah, episode is a it. piece of shit. No, it was the Omega something the Omega else. Omega Initiative? That's it. That's it. But, like, there's so many, like, Star Trek is bad at this more often than it's good at it. I'm just sick of hearing everyone say this is what Star Trek's about. No, it's not. Just just shut up. No, it's not. Anyway, anything else? Um. Beans. Matthew? Beans. Beans. Oh. Say, say it in the Brack voice. Bane. I, I can't do a Brack voice. Yeah, it's a hard voice to do. <laughs> you want to do it in a, Dana, in a Dana Snyder voice? Dana do, Carvey do, voice? Do that. Yeah, I blow up your beans, because now no one gets any. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> or, you blow up my beans. A, there's a weird sequence where they capture the, um, like, they're, they're going to capture those two terrorist guys, and Janeway basically tells them if they have nothing to hide why do they mind letting us rummage through their stuff? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. well, again, this is what I'm going to talk about in the next episode. I think we can circle yeah. back to that there. She's got some real out of character stuff in yeah. both of these, I would say. Yeah. But, what but, the hell, um, Janeway? Yeah. <laughs> and um, then I guess you want me to do my quote? Yes, please. So um, my quote, this is more set up for my quote than my quote. Um, it's uh, Zio. uh talking Zio, that famous yeah, character Zio. Zio talking to uh to Harold and then Harold's extraordinarily snappy action guy comeback. Hey. What do you want for the dead man's boots? <laughs> you tell him Harold. Yeah. yeah. Give it to him. You show that you don't get to see it, but he does wave the pipe at them like he's impressive. He is not yeah, the cleansing power of the pipe. If yes. I could have done a visual quote, that would have been it. Yeah. Just no, like, he's he's holding this pipe because it's he's trying to engineer his way out of the problem, which is a snippet of the thing that I liked. Mm-hmm. But the, the tool that he only has access to is a little pipe. So he's carrying around this, this metal tube with him for half a, the, the story. It's a tube with like... Um, Sciencey yeah, stuff coming off of it, it, so that he can do the yeah, whatever. sonic screwdriver with it. Right, but he doesn't call it like a tool. No, it's he, just they a call pipe. it a pipe. Yeah. Yep, he's it, it's just like a prison thing. He's got a lead pipe that he's clubbing people with, and then yeah, he's like waving it around yep. like so much serial killer with a knife. <laughs> there's there's a great part uh, right after Paris gets stabbed where he's just manically spinning in circles and like waving the pipe at people and he's not hitting anyone but everyone's acting like they're getting hit by it yeah no amanda mentioned that in her summary just like waving his arms around wild pipe yep i'm gonna keep waving this thing and if you get hit by it it's your fault (laughs) actually matt i i think what you meant to say was there's a great part where tom paris gets stabbed oh man there is a great part where Tom you said, Paris gets stabbed. You said after Tom Paris gets stabbed. Like, well, let's not bury the lead here, because Tom Paris also got stabbed. <laughs> bury the lead like the knife was buried in his stomach? Yes. <laughs> Just put that on a loop with Chekhov getting shot and Neelix getting injured in various ways. There's also oh, a great, The bird, that's the one we like. There's also a great part where Harold is just, like, slap-fighting the shit out of Paris. <laughs> I was Ugh. like, man, I've been waiting since the series started to see this. These guys are like, um, I don't remember the characters' names, but uh, the the Lenny sons. Lenny and Squiggy. Yeah, no, no. Not too, everything is Lenny and Squiggy. Too Matt. much dignity. Too much <laughs> dignity. No, I'm talking about uh, the the sons of the character Mom from Futurama. Mm. Oh, um, they're owl inspectors. <laughs> <laughs> Ow, we're owl exterminators. That's it, owl exterminators. I don't know what an owl inspector would even do. Oh man. <laughs> Probably a boobs joke. Probably somehow. <laughs> yeah. Now yeah. I just want to hear that triple slap noise. Yep. Jam a bastard in it, you crap. <laughs> God, I love Tress McNeil. Yeah, she's, she's I'm going to be her when I'm old. Probably. All right. Anything else about the shoot? There's an old Tress you like to work on. <laughs> Anything? Anyone? No. Nope. Good. Let's put it behind us then. And talk about 
the swarm. We get we get these Seinfeld titles again. These like the the something. The one about the swarm. No, no, no. Those friends titles there. No. Well, they should do that too. Yep. Paris and Bellana are some are on some kind of shuttle mission during which time Paris lightly flirts with Bell, proving that he's actually capable of light flirting, which would be a lot nicer if we didn't know this was already foreshadowing. Meanwhile, the doctor is singing opera on the holodeck because why the hell not? And he's fighting with an opera diva who won't do what he says because I guess accuracy is more important in your simulation than having a computer that obeys your commands? Because computers literally have one job and that's it. Anyway, turns out the doctor's starting to forget things because he was never designed to hold all that useless information like the memory of that time I made Neelix a lung out of holograms and that time I probably got laid with that chick that Matt insists on calling Claire. Faced with the possibility of having to treat a crew of injury-prone aliens alone, Kess begins compiling a list of crew members who might be able to assist her in saving the Doctor. Unfortunately, they're all busy because we're finally out of Kazon space. Pause, pause for cheering. And meeting new aliens. Meet the Swarm. Weird, clicky lizard dudes with thousands of tiny ships that mass around you like some kind of, well, swarm. And fuck your shit up. Unfortunately, swarm-occupied space is the primary obstacle between Voyager and the shortest path to the Alpha Quadrant, and since someone keeps wasting travel time on all these rescue missions and flower-picking expeditions, <laughs> and also that time we got stranded on a planet, no, not that time, the other one, anyway, Janeway's not keen to go eight more months out of their way to avoid the swarm, so she risks getting her shit fucked up. Meanwhile, Kess hangs out on the holodeck with Zimmerman, that Ro- Robert Picardo-looking dude who designed Voyager's EMH and also stole Lita from Rom that one time. Zimmerman suggests, actually, he suggests nothing. Kess figures out that she can just steal memory space from him, I guess? Or something? I don't know. She ends up fixing the Doctor by killing the Zimmerman program, which, until this episode, we didn't even know existed, so that's probably fine. Also, Voyager defeats the Swarm by, I don't know, reversing the polarities or something. It's all a lot cooler and more interesting than I'm making it sound. That is true. Also, another episode about memory loss and dementia, which I'm sure Matt just loved. Uh Uh-huh. They sure do keep doing that. Yeah, well, they do they did love a it. Really good job of it, though. I would say so, and some of that's in the writing, but a lot of that's in Picardo. He plays two very distinct characters. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. um, like he does a a real killer job of that, and um, the the Doctor losing his mind. Like I don't like <sighs> computer senility is one of those sci fi tropes that I'm kind of of like we do a lot of that and a lot of different things but i like what they do with it in this like i like that him developing a personality is what the problem is like the thing you're that's supposed to be good becoming more human every day Mm -hmm. is causing him to go crazy i love that yeah it's a neat neat, uh take on uh on uh sort of what we built with the doctor and going back to data too you know yeah yeah and like the idea that like trying to better yourself is bad for you (laughs) Yeah, well, but Data was designed to better himself. Yes. He was doing what he was programmed to do, whereas the Doctor was designed to basically come on during an emergency, help the the actual ship's Doctor, and then go away. Designed to state the nature of the medical emergency. <laughs> right. Medical okay, now I'll order. do it. Yes. No, I'm not gonna. I'm not your monkey. Oh, I I'm like not, your. I'm not your performing monkey. Yay. <laughs> um. The um, but I. It, it's also one of those things we've talked about with. We like when. They sort of in-universe explore the world that they created. Mm -hmm. And one of the things is how would this technology work and how would it work if it was asked to do things it wasn't designed to do, which Mm -hmm. is nice. And it's also another thing we wish they did more of on the show, which is a reminder of how you could fix things just fine if you were in Starfleet space. But what Zimmerman says is, uh, why don't you just uh, expand his memory next time you set into a starbase and just have them upgrade it? And they're like, oh, yeah, that would be a great idea when we get back to a starbase. Yeah, Never. Be, Why don't you just awesome. change, change the gravitational constant of the universe? Yeah, that's basically how futile it is for them, which I really like. But so yeah, I, I like there's a there's some solid concepts in there. And Amanda, you pointed out the the B story or I guess that's the B story. The swarm. They, I guess so. they I got mean, the that's, title. That's the. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The, I would definitely treat the swarm more as the B story. But, you know, I, yeah. like, I, I concur. The also, the swarm, Peter, the, so. the B story. <laughs> Uh, Matt, what does that stand for? Uh, bees. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I liked all that stuff, too. In fact, that was my good thing, mm. was the swarm. I thought they looked cool. They yeah, sounded they cool. Yep. The the way they're, sh- like, tiny ships swarming around you is a neat mm. idea that we don't think we've seen before. Nope. There, There's, like, 
I go on and on about this, about how the aliens in the Delta Quadrant should be way more alien and weird and like stuff we haven't seen before. And this is one of those times where the, I think they got it right. Mm-hmm. And the um the, the universal translator doesn't work on them because they are too alien. Yeah. Yep. Like, I, I feel like the end, it starts getting like an inkling of what they're saying. Like it's something like you should have listened to our warning. Already, yeah, basically, but... we told you so. We told you this was going to happen. Yeah, but it's not like um they don't just. Hear then a voice. Start hearing the voices. No. They're like, this is sort of the gist of it. Uh, but to the alien point, they also find um, an alien floating around in a ship and they rescue him. And it's another alien that it's not amazing alien design, but it's more than just the bumpy headed alien. Well, last week we had basically they took Klingon forehead appendages mm-hmm. and put them on like normal white guys and didn't make them look like cool Klingons. It really just sort of looked like Balana's or Kalar's half Klingon thing. Oh, yeah, or it's just sort of true. a light mm-hmm. Klingon. A light um, Klingon motif? Yeah. <laughs> this guy kind of, admittedly, the guy they found looked like a guy from Zoobly Zoo, <laughs> but he <laughs> he didn't. I'm okay with that, though. But, it's like we talked about last week with the with the weird eel monsters. It's like, that looks like CG, but at least they're trying. Yeah, yeah it, it was an alien alien. Yeah, and the more like unusual they look and i was always of the opinion that like the furthest reaches of the delta quadrant should be the weird shit yeah and as they get closer to home maybe they could get more like traditional stuff because like i this is just my headcanon thing but like i feel like those aliens that seeded the galaxy maybe only seeded like the middle part and sort of the outlying regions or the middle maybe weren't the middle part has certain uh Things that makes certain guys easier to develop, and as yeah. you get further away, the those things don't those traits can't evolve so easily because of whatever yeah, environmental gravity or, issues yeah, whatever. Or, or whatever. So you start getting weirder yeah. stuff. Voyager does. I mean, the Voyager is so like terrible. Well, <laughs> not into. It's honestly, Voyager is a lot better than I thought it was going to be because I came into sure. this with like my expectations. Like I dug a ditch. For my mm-hmm. expectations to go into, because it was lower than the ground. Yeah. But it's so, like, the the alien design's either, like, really weird, or it's super boring. There's not, like, a lot of in-between. Um, when they go full-on alien, we have a lot of, like, non-bipedal... Yeah. Um, CG mostly amorphous blob cloud guys, which is really cool! Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you have your, like lazy Klingons. Yep. And there's been so much of that, yeah. I think. I, I feel like, I think there were like two main makeup guys and I think DS9 mostly got the good one. Yeah, well, I mean, you look at a show that got you mourn. But that's DS9 true. also this. had a lot of, like, there's some lazy, but that's like, what a I'm lot saying. of the Gamma Quadrant guys were like, eh, whatever, I don't know. But that's yeah, what I'm saying. I splotch th- face aliens. I think yeah. there were two guys that worked on both shows. And I think they they divided mm. their time, and I think one of them was really good. I mean, I I this is a faint memory, and I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that was the deal. Is like one guy was really good at it, and he worked on DS9 more than he did Voyager, and he sometimes worked on Voyager. And the other but, one only told lies, right? And those <laughs> lies were this is great alien makeup. <laughs> but no, I, everything about the swarm, and I don't know if we'll ever see them again. It would be cool if we didn't. I ho- I would like to. Like, yeah. it would be cool if we did also, but it would be cool in a one-off, weird, just, this is a thing we ran into this week, yeah. and it's strange. That would be cool, too. Listen, the more swarm guys... we see, the less Kazon we're going to see. So I, I'm pretty sure the Kazon are behind us now. I, God, I'd like to believe that. I really would. Me, too. But, but I, um... I've been tricked too many times in the past. <laughs> That's true. By lying was... makeup artists. You'd think you'd figure out that he always lies, Matt. You would think that, right? It's but- on you to once you get fooled a couple of times. Yeah. Fool, fooled you once by a makeup artist. Shame right. on him. Right. Fooled Fool- you twice by a makeup artist. Shame on you, Matt. Shame. Fooled me once. Shame on me. Fooled me twice. Fiddle dee dee. <laughs> <laughs> you were going to say something about the swarm? Oh, the swarm. The whole deal with them is that they're like super territorial. Yeah. Like, you can't cut through our yard. Like, they have uh, a line in the sand this far and no farther. Yeah. So, th- I got the feeling that they stay in their space, and they don't put one foot outside their space. Yeah, but it's But still... you don't put a foot inside their space. Yes, but they're not out of it yet, is the thing. Like, they, 
They basically, like, Voyager 1 to the point where they're like, don't fuck with us, we're just passing through, now leave us alone. But, but they're not out yet. But they said they found a bottleneck where it was just going to be a couple of days to get out. Oh. So next week they might still be in swarm space, but I figure a couple of weeks from now they're probably going to be out of it. Maybe. But this show, I mean, seriously, yeah. we joke, but they take a long time. To, they took, That's true. They took two years to get through Kazon space. That's true. And the Kazon <laughs> are not that technologically advanced, so how much fucking territory did they manage to... to to win over and like you were you were mentioning when they had to abandon um janeway and chakotay on the planet they were like two months out and then they had to be two months back and then two months to make up the time they lost so mm-hmm. that's six months so they almost wasted as much time on that as they would have going around this dangerous place yeah or that's probably why they didn't want to waste more time or the time they rescued Harold in Paris, or the time they had to rescue Tuvok, or the time... Like, they're always stopping to rescue one or two guys. Or to pick orchids. Or to pick orchids. I just picture, like, the the lower deck guys just, like, we're turning around again for who this time? Fucking Neelix? God damn it. Well, and I made this joke at one of the live shows we did about just, like, the guy who keeps the chalkboard of, like, only 500 years till we get home. No, no, it's 600 years. I picture the sound of the engine slowing down to turn around. Everyone's just like, ugh. Yep. That's terrible. Um, Matt, what was your good thing? Oh, uh, we talked about this a little bit already. Uh, the Doctor and Kess subplot, which... As usual, uh, tragic memory loss really is a really easy sell for me. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine why, but uh, I think the doctor. I think, God, the doctor plays it well. He does. Picardo and and Amanda mentioned this a minute ago. Not only good at playing the doctor's tragedy, but also playing two very distinct characters. Absolutely, which was cool and acting against himself for an entire scene. Mm-hmm. And and um. The memory loss is great because it fades in and out. Yeah, that's like, the best. Is like like actual human dementia. Yeah, yeah. yeah where, where he at one point he's like, you, you you can't talk to me like this. Now let, let, let me know what's going on. And then the next week he's like, I, what's happening? Yeah, and he's like, but oh, there's flashes where he remembers Kess and remembers what he is, but he doesn't remember that he's a hologram. Right. I Why remember, can't I leave this room? Everyone else can leave this room. I remember just enough for this to be horribly tragic. Because yep. it would be way less sad if he just didn't, like, he just didn't remember the, anything. The thing is, like, the the whole losing your mind thing is something that, that pushes one of your buttons, Matt, because you went through this with a loved one. And uh-huh. I get that. But it's also one of those, and this sounds like a criticism, but so far they mostly have done it well. It is one of those easy things. Oh, yeah. That, that it's, it's like putting a dog in something and hurting the dog. Everyone's going to go, oh, the dog. Oh, yep. the dog. Like, it's it's one of those buttons that works on everyone, and it works better for people who've been through it, but it, it's still sort of universally relatable. Mm-hmm. And Star Trek does this kind of story a fair amount. They did it with Sarek. Mm-hmm. They've done it. Uh, what else one. have they done? It? Um, I know they've done it yeah. a few times, because you've brought it up every time yes. it happens. Oh, um, didn't that start happening to Cisco? During one of his oh god yeah that it was, did when yeah, yeah. he was like a super prophet yeah that yeah. was that was one of my yeah. favorite ones, um, I, but they've done it a bunch of times and it's always been effective. Uh, so. Picard uh, at the um, he gets the degenerative disease. Oh yeah brain. yeah in in the finale yeah yeah that's another good one, mm-hmm. and they they always manage to do it well. Mm-hmm. It's it's an easy sort of cheap shortcut to your to your uh, sympathies, but they haven't overused it, and they usually do it well. I think, and yeah. they pick good actors to do it because like, that's true. Given too. that list of guys we just did, that's a lot of their strongest actors. Mm-hmm. That's true. So they really sell it. No, and that's the thing with Picardo is a lot of times he's just got to stand there and watch everyone talking about how mm-hmm. crazy he's going, and he's got a lot of just face acting to do, and I think he pulls that off even, yeah. just looking terrified and confused. confused. Yeah. yeah, I was, um, when he talks about why he, asking why he can't leave the room, I was waiting for, the, for him to forget that he was actually a hologram. And try to leave and not yeah. be able to, like, just... Bzz. Or just, like, the real, it's like, wait, I'm not human? Yeah. That would have been cool. Yeah. But I still think they did a good job with what they did. Oh, they, they absolutely had. did. And once again, the effects on Voyager really are quite good. Mm-hmm. They like, are? When we have um, him in the same room with himself, um, like, there's not a lot of obvious split screening. And, like, there's a scene where he, like, touches his own shoulder, and it looks great. Yeah. And they do a lot of creative um, directing where they aren't, like, where we're cutting back and forth, but it doesn't feel like, oh, yep, there's the line. Mm-hmm. No, there's there is some definitely some good stuff, and actually, it's a fairly 
like low tech effect mm-hmm. of where he starts breaking up, mm-hmm. like where he suddenly becomes more holographic and less yeah. like a solid object. And it's it's something they probably could have pulled off in early next gen. But something about I think it's his acting and the way you think of him as a real person and suddenly being reminded that he's just a projection. It, it just like jarred me like, whoa, yeah. that was that was creepy. No, it was but really yeah, cool. Overall, yeah. the the um, the effects on Voyager are they're quite good. Like the swarm ships look yeah. really neat. Yep. And sometimes they overreach um, their grasp as far as what they can do. But I'm totally fine with that. Like the ex- like when they experiment with that kind of stuff, it's mm-hmm. really good. Well, no. and we're still early on in, in the CG era. And f- the fact that they're trying to do mm-hmm. a thing with a thousand ships is yeah. like, let's use the technology in a way we never could have done with models. Which no, is that, cool. that, the shot where the, the swarm starts landing on the, on the uh, Voyager looks really cool. Yeah. And it's like literally a thousand ships. Yeah. And mm-hmm. like how draw all of them out. <laughs> yes, I will do that. I'll get, I'll get right on that. Um, but it's like, there's no way they could have pulled that off with models or whatever. It would take them months and months and months to, mm-hmm. to build them and then shoot them and probably composite them over each other. And they, they did this in normal production time. And there's nothing in Memory Alpha that indicates that it took longer than usual. Mm-hmm. Or this is the most expensive episode they've ever done. No, or anything. And that's the thing. CG, like we're 20 years on now and CG has been overused in a lot of movies and it's very sort of fashionable to say, oh, I only like practical effects and I don't like CG, but CG can be used effectively like this, I think. Yeah. And when you can really, um, now that you can do a blend of CG and practical, things look really good. Well, I mean, look at like Force Awakens. Yeah. Like J.J. Abrams is a big fan of, or even his Star Trek movies. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, for all our problems we have with the second one, both of those movies were a really good mix of mostly practical effects. Yeah. And he's good at that. Mm-hmm. Like he's, He really is. He's good at going back to the traditional stuff, but also saying, you know what? We have this tool. Let's use it sometimes. Mm. I like that. Um, but yeah, it, it, it all looked really good. Um, Amanda, what was your good thing? Um, this is just, I feel like it's a bit of a cheat, and there were a lot of good things to pick in this episode, but I really like Tuvok. He didn't have a ton to do, but just his constant disapproval of the way everyone does things because we're doing like some uh, things that are against the rules that we we shouldn't do, and he's just like... But he never says, no, I'm not going to do this, but he always just seems annoyed. It's it's a bit like the wharf thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the security guy is often the one who has to say, I protest, we're handling this wrong, but very well. But it doesn't just feel like hailing frequencies open. No. It just, he feels like, again, we're always doing, like, you can almost, if he wasn't a Vulcan, you'd see him shaking. Well, but that's what I'm saying. It's it's exactly the same as Worf, only Worf would get mad at it, because that was more in character for him, and Tuvok can't. So he's got to do that roll his eyes thing. Mm. He just, and... Like, you've got uh, Chakotay suggesting unorthodox solutions, and just Tuvok's like, I hate this guy Why so Why are we doing much. this Maquis bullshit again? Always with this. Uh, Always. And Neelix's shuttle is cluttering up the bay. Just uh, stinking up the place. Yeah. <laughs> smells like burnt hair. Yeah, probably. Or wet hair. Wet hair. <laughs> Some kind wet. of hair. Yeah, definitely hair. Hair. Uh, but Tuvok, what he's annoyed at the most is brings me back to my bad thing, mm-hmm. which is also we can now sort of talk about both episodes here. Janeway, wildly out of character, way more belligerent, way more like like in the previous episode, mm-hmm. willing to take these two people who escaped from the planet and use them as bargaining chips just willy nilly. And in this episode, like just push through this space that these guys have clearly said, this is ours. Please leave us alone. Yeah. Yeah. Like in, in the previous episode. Janeway, like, starts a rescue mission with guns blaze, And, I mean, it looked really cool. It like, sure not did. to take away from that. But and we've, we always like it when she's a take-charge kind of character, but I think they went a little far away. Mm-hmm. But this these guys, according to their own laws, hadn't done anything wrong. They took people who they believed had done a terrorist attack and put them in jail according to their own laws. And some, like, a character like Cisco would probably have gone like, well, I don't... I don't care. I'm going to go in and save my guys. My first officer doesn't give a damn about your loss. <laughs> yeah, but that's not how Janeway is. No. She's more diplomatic, and she's more she's more likely to follow the rules than a lot of the other captains are, and yeah. I like that about her. No, we had a whole episode about let's try not doing the rules, and that went really badly. Mm-hmm. And the, a lot of the really good Janeway episodes have been about her being her hands being tied because she's staying true to the Starfleet yep. way. And I love that about her. Mm-hmm. And yep. in these last two episodes, she just like she 
she kidnapped these two civilians and like went through their ship and one of whom is a child. Yeah, they yeah, she, 14 she, years old. She threatened to, to put this 14-year-old in jail, mm-hmm. and she's always been a very maternal character, too. She has no, no. feelings for and, this and little girl. You had mentioned before, she says if they have nothing to hide. Yeah, if they have nothing to... What? Yeah. Like, she she's part of Starfleet. You know who says that? Evil people. Cardassians. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Space Nazis say that. Yeah. And I mean, there is. The guy, um, there's a guy in the actual episode who's like, we'll search your ship. You've got nothing to hide. Yeah. yeah. And she, she, um. And if the episode had been better written, they could have pointed out the irony of that. But they exactly. Didn't. They didn't notice the irony. No, of they that. didn't. Um, and, um, I mean, there is a certain sort of big brother equality to Starfleet oh, and sure. Earth culture. Well, that's a that's a that's a but, late sort of like criticism against Roddenberry that a lot of the writers have, which I I get and understand and I'm fine with. And but. DS9 did a really good job yeah. of that, but that's not Voyager's take on it. Voyager's take on it is that this really is the ideal. No, our Starfleet guys are the ideal guys. We yeah. have the Maquis if we want to explore that shadier stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so so she she really buys in to um, the enlightened future thing, which. Yeah. I really like about her. Yeah. And in this episode, in, in, the, in um, the previous episode, she just threw that all out the window. It felt weird. No, yeah. she basically said, yeah, we could go around, but I don't want to do that. So fuck these guys. Mm-hmm. That's not great. Not that really. Seems, that seems like something that Chakotay would say and Balana might say, and then she might be convinced to do it. Mm, but Chakotay it was, probably wouldn't because he's always about respect for this and that and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but he, he like, will say, like, listen, we need to be expedient here. And they might convince her, but they don't. It's, like, her idea. Yeah. I don't love that. I, she also was, like, super catwoman in this episode in this episode there's like which is not like exactly physically, com- you mean yeah physically it's not like it wasn't exactly a complaint it was it was sort of weird she was just doing a lot of bending over and crouching around it makes me want to see mirror janeway yeah and then she stole a cat statue which was really weird <laughs> yeah they invaded that planet just to steal their cat statue again yeah. wildly out of character <laughs> clearly marked cat statue well, Matt, you, you had a nice theory about why, like, a, basically a headcanon, no prize kind of ex- explanation. From what for, I've seen, she's been pissed off since, ever since they got the ship back. Because <laughs> the I Kazon like just left all their garbage. Like, there's an old rotted washing machine just, like, sitting in the yep. middle of the bridge. and like I just picture her going into her quarters and someone spray-painted Kazon rules on the wall. And she's just standing there going, no, they don't. And I was thinking about the Kazon, like, what their dandruff must be like. Oh. Like, because out of those coral heads, you imagine it's like little crystals or little something. Little barnacles. Yeah, so, she's, so she gets out of bed and she's like, God damn it, there's Kazon crap all over the floor and just like cutting up her feet. Yep. It's <laughs> worse than walking on Lego. I pick... <laughs> I picture her like be like res- like resigning herself to the fact. Okay, they took my ship. That mm-hmm. sucks, but fine. But then it's a whole other thing to imagine that they were sleeping in your bed. Ugh. Yeah, like ugh, Seska was in here having sex with the Maj. There's sweat on my little gym jams. Because this is the best quarter, so they yeah. probably took them. Yep. Blech. Blech. Not great. Blech. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that that's a good explanation. She's just pissed off. Yeah, I'll take it. And if they had said that, yeah. I would it's, like if she had just been pushed too far at yeah. this point, and she's like, you know what? I'm sick I'm of this Delta Quadrant yeah, bullshit. I'm, I'm not. I'm not taking any more crap from any more Delta Quadrant piss ants. <laughs> you pushed me. You've. You can only push me so far. And then, and then they end up running into the Borg, and she's got to back off a little bit. Yeah. But for now, it makes sense. But just, they. They didn't. They didn't say that. No, they didn't. No, Matt's. Matt's trying to lo- fill in yeah. a logical gap, which is what nerds do. I'll accept my no prize now. All right, it's in the mail. <laughs> Uh, Amanda, what was your bad thing? Well, at the end, they destroy the Zimmerman program to, um, like, give the doctor the extra space. Which I don't understand, but fine, whatever. I kind of pictured it as being, like, um, the physical media that the doctor is stored on was kind of jacked up by what they were doing so they and they don't it's special it's not like i was gonna say why don't you erase the hollow novel that janeway lost yeah. interest in or paris's stupid bar or it, yeah all the millions of other holodeck programs they have god i wish <laughs> paris's any- stupid bar was actually called that like there was a sign out front that just said <laughs> paris's stupid bar a wooden shingle seven yep <laughs> a wooden shingle and it's written in like fancy script yep or <laughs> girls allowed <laughs> is probably what it was. every night yep. is ladies night yeah <laughs> 
established half off. Established two thousand two thousand twenty three. But whatever. Um, twenty two twenty three. I like I say, I sort of figured it was like the physical media that the doctor is on. Uh, it is doesn't been, make but, sense, but I don't but, care. It, it adds a nice tragedy anyways, to it. The the other Zimmerman gets yeah. destroyed and the, the doctor's put in his place. And at the end, it seems like maybe it didn't work and they didn't get to keep the doctor's memories. They just get to keep the, the Yeah, it doctor. seemed like, oh, well, we saved him, but we didn't. Yeah. We cost? might as well just reset him. But then um, he starts singing the opera. So they're like, oh, I guess he is fine but they didn't make it clear at all no like, the recap in memory alpha says start singing opera which is an indication that his memory is okay like is, is it? it okay none of us thought he, that the things that he's saying to us don't make it make it clear that he is not okay like no you can't have it both ways show no and, he didn't know who Kess was yeah. and the first thing he said was please state the nature of the medical emergency yeah. like he's back to his default setting like mm. and if it had taken him a minute and they were sad and then they then he said Wait a minute. Hello, Kess. That would have been fine. Was that your doctor? That was my doctor. Hello, Kess. Hello, Kess. Ooh, my name is Mr. Burns. <laughs> <laughs> but um, like, if they had done that, that could, they could have had their cake and eaten it too. Or they well, had what a they could have of, said. Yeah. Well, they could have had Bellana say, "Well, it worked, but it's going to be a slow rehabilitation yeah. process over the next several weeks to get him back to normal." Yeah, that and would then have been the fine. Opera thing would be a good sign. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but, he's on the road to recovery. Good. But they didn't. They just had him singing that thing. And it reminded me of the end of Nemesis, mm. where uh, Data's, like, earlier brother guy. B4. Yeah. Because ugh. he was made before Data. <sighs> Damn it. Is, remember Damn remember it, Nemesis? Don't make me think about Nemesis. <laughs> Nemesis is movie forbidden. <laughs> <laughs> It'll blow their minds. Uh-huh. Uh, it felt like that, where it was sort of like a cheap cop-out. Yeah. Like, maybe he remembers. Who knows? I'm pretty sure. Like, I haven't seen the next episodes yet, but I'm pretty sure he's okay. I think he's just back to normal. Because yeah. I don't think this show would go with something that bold is the reason. I. Th- it's sad that I think that. Mm-hmm. But I connected but the dots, basically, because I know this show will just hit a reset button whenever it can. Yeah. Uh, Matt, what was your bad thing? Um, what was my bad thing? The Oprah scene. Oh, the fucking opera scene. I... We start with the doctor on, like, in his doing his opera scene, which is fine. Like, it's funny and charming at first, but then it keeps going. It feels like it was, like, ten minutes long. Yeah, it was a really, it was the teaser, and it was a really yeah. long teaser. And just more fucking, like, weird foreign lady yelling at him. Yep. And the doctor looking all lame is. <laughs> it was, it, it was one of those times where an actor was like, hey, I can do this. Can we work that into the show? And And they did. And it was... Better integrated than, say, Gates McFadden's tap dancing. Uh-huh. But so? No, <laughs> also, Picardo has a beautiful it just, voice. It, yeah. it would have been great if they hadn't, if it, if it hadn't completely worn out its welcome, you know? Like, I, well, like I said in my summary, I don't get why the computer is actively sabotaging. I understand she's a diva, mm-hmm. but I also understand a computer has one job, and that's to do what it's told. Yeah. Yeah, but if, if he, what he asked for was give me this diva and didn't change the program around to make her easier to work with. No, you changed the program by asking it to do something. Mm. And he did that and it didn't listen to him. No, you'd probably have to ask the computer directly, not ask the character. Because it's like in a video game, you don't want to turn it to easy mode unless you turn it to easy mode. Computer, make this this person more amicable. Yeah. Yeah. He never said that. He was just interacting with her. Mm. I get, I don't know. It just seems like he would know what it would do. It's a program. You know what I mean? Like, well, he that know still what to gets expect. back to my thing of like, you know, like, how is he different? Like, shouldn't he just be the computer? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I uh, don't understand that. Yeah, but uh, I mean, it was it was a cute scene, but you're right. It did go on too long. Oh, yeah. Not great. Anyway, anything else? Um, no, I think that's everything. I wanted to talk uh, a little bit about Kess. Um because I really, really like Kess, and I know some people sort of got bored with her as the series went yeah, on. The mm. Yeah, the writers. Yeah, <laughs> the writers got bored with her. She's been in nothing. Like, Flunk pointed out the reason he doesn't like her is because she's nothing, and she kind of fades into the background, and he's not wrong. But, but this, when they use her, I think she's good. When they use her, she's good, and this was actually a pretty good Kess episode. Like, she wasn't the main focus, but she's the one who notices there's something wrong with the doctor. She's the one who takes over as doctor while he's sick. Yeah. And, like, helps people. And she's the one who bullies uh, Zimmerman into letting himself die so that the doctor can live. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of good Kess stuff in here. There is. And she remains, um, I think, the most Star Trek character on Voyager. 
Well, having like her regularly remind us that she sees life where no one else really does yeah. is definitely goes toward that. And I that was say. a nice um, thing with Balana is that she is um, doing tests on the doctor and she treats him with a certain amount of courtesy. But you can tell that she's not treating him the way she would treat a real person. No, she does treat him, him blind at one point. And she's treating him the way all, all the engineer characters, including her, and mm-hmm. also Jordy, and also O'Brien, treat the computer voice, which mm-hmm. is, this is a person I'm kind of annoyed with, but not really a person. Yeah, yeah, and that is nicely juxtaposed with Kess, who treats him just like he's a regular person. Yeah. And I, I, I like that a lot. No, I've always enjoyed that. Yeah. You're right. All right. Anything else? No. I think that's it. Very Except well. Except for your quote. I have a quote. And my quote is not Dead Man's Boots. That was your quote. (laughs) Oh, my quote is Zimmerman wondering, like, oh, this is why you're all wrong. Look at all this useless information floating around your buffer. Friendships with the crew, relationships with women. Do they find you attractive? And that kind of reminded me of myself. (laughs) Well, This is why you never get anything done. Look at this. You spent all this time... Hanging out with friends and reading books and watching TV and playing video games. Of course you don't get anything done. Get back to work, you slacker. Yeah, exactly. Downtime. I know both of those words, but what does that mean in a life context? That's that's your thing to quote now, huh? Yeah, it is. Very well. Why don't you now give us your plug? What do you what do you want the people to go see and do? Oh, I want them to do everything I say all the time. We'll tell them to donate to our fundraiser (laughs) because we need money. Oh, they should definitely donate to the fundraiser. Right. Um, I'd like to see more Amanda donate money to the fundraiser. Yes, all of my fans, Uh please swarm in. Swarm in like Uh. a swarm of tiny ships of money. Uh Uh-huh. But my actual thing that I do when I'm not on podcasts is I do a photo a day blog. Um, it's giantblackalbatross.tumblr.com, mm-hmm. same as always, and it's awesome, and you should look it out. It Follow is awesome. me on Tumblr. And, and you've you been picking up some uh, some followers lately and some attention from various photo blogs and such, correct? Yeah, it's true. It's been going really good. My photos have, I think, really improved over the last year, um, and everyone should look at them and tell me how great they are. Well, you got a fancy new camera coming. Oh, it might be here today. It's not going to be here today. Oh, it might be here. It's not, not going to be here. All right, so that's it. Next week, uh, I have no idea. Next week, more of the same. More <laughs> Voyager, forever Voyager, and then Enterprise, but then a new show. So yep, maybe that'll be good. Maybe. Dare to dream. Mm, hope, hope so. Uh, see you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2016. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this.